doesn't exactly I, I, isn't exactly written that way into the uh, Kabbalah connection. Guess you must understand that when the book, if the book was printed in 1983, uh, I started writing it. Let's say in 1974, right? So, <laughs> you know, I finished chapters two, three, five, and seven, and then eight, nine, and ten is different. Okay, because there should be a, a change in uh, in uh, if there's no changes, there were no opportunities. You didn't change no cassettes. Your frame of consciousness, if it's the same, it means you haven't moved anywhere. Okay. Again, what I what I think is the first limud first study of Kabbalah is that the Torah is not a set of laws for religious purposes. Because there is no such thing as, quote, religion. The Torah is a cosmic code. Unfortunately, I say code, so therefore it's unfortunate because a code means it's already hidden. It's not observable. Not everybody who picks it up understands everything it says. Therefore, we needed the Kabbalah, we needed the Gemara to explain what's really going on. If the Torah was that simple, why did you need a voluminous work of the Talmud? And why did you need a voluminous work of, uh, let's say, uh, the Yadi's writings or the Zohar's writings? There'd be no necessity. Obviously, the Torah is quite confusing. So therefore, to use the word cosmic code would be the best description of the Torah. And once you establish that as a cosmic code, then we already are accepting the fact that we do not understand, just by observing what is written in the Torah, that we understand what's in the Torah. <coughs> the, reason, the reason for Pesach just to give you an overview, is not that we are going to conform to a religious doctrine or we're going to conform to a religious belief. That's the first thing we have to put aside. Then what is the purpose? The Cosmic Code. It provides us with insights into things that exist beyond the realm of the five senses. <clears throat> it provides us with a decodification of the 99 and 9 tenths percent of existence, without which we could never understand, because the five senses takes us only that, so far into the understanding of the material realm, and even there it gets a little confusing, but certainly not beyond the five senses or the material realization. So now we want to go further than that. So Baruch Hashem, we have a Torah, and the Torah provides us with that information. Provides us with that information. Pesach deals with one aspect of cosmology. Because, the, as we said before, and we say all throughout the study of the Talmud, 
<coughs> there is a cosmic intelligence. Does it know everything? Yeah. Is it the all-embracing of, of energy? Yeah. It's all there already. I want to see tomorrow. I want to attach to tomorrow. Who doesn't want it? If you're playing the stock market, can you imagine after our session, you'll call up your broker and you know what's going up because today's Tuesday, but you're in Wednesday already. Isn't that wonderful? Right? So who doesn't want to connect to the future? Everybody. Everybody. But we want to connect beyond the material goal of, of hitting a good stock because hitting a good stock is no guarantee that you've now achieved bliss. Because we can't say everybody who's making billions of the stock market has what they need, right? That's obvious. What we want from Pesach, particularly, is described on a, on a physical level, in the physical reality, Except we have to look a little closer at what we observe. We may not have had a conscious thought about it before, but along comes Kabbalah, along comes the Adi more specifically, and tells you exactly what we should and how we should be looking at things. Pesach takes place when? In the month of Nisan. Pesach also takes place when the cosmic rule of planet Mars is influencing our, our, our universe. It also takes place when Aries is the dominant Mazal, the dominant sign of the Zodiac. Now, just as we once explained that the holy city of Jerusalem is not holy because the temple was there, but rather the temple was there because there was something special about Jerusalem. We're both saying the same thing, but we're coming from two different places, right? What's cause and what effect? That's all. <laughs> That's all. That's it. That's it. Whether you're tuning into the effect, and that's what we said in this study just this morning. Are you part of the effect, or you want to be part of the cause? Where do you want to be? You want to be in the cube facing this way, or you want to be in the cube facing... You have the free choice, but where would you rather be? I would rather be at the source, rather than be at the effect, because the effect cannot be changed. But if you can be at the source, then you can make changes. So that's obvious we'd all rather be at the root of things. Okay? So, if Pesach occurred some, uh, some 3,300 years ago, it obviously followed the establishment of the cosmos, because the cosmos were established during the six days of creation. So we must observe Pesach as an effect of the cosmos, rather than the cosmos are an effect of Pesach. Pesach occurred because of the cosmos. 
Now, what are, what, is the, what are the cosmos from a Kabbalistic point of view all about? First of all, Ma'adim. Ma'adim. Mars. Is, consists of the word blood. Dam. Says Nidhari and the Zohar. In Bereshit, he discusses Ma'adim. Blood. I mean blood. I mean blood. And then, the Taleh. In other words, the Egyptians had a god called Taleh, the ram, right? And you slaughtered the Taleh. I mean, a story. Again, these are, this is a cosmic code. There's a hidden message there. It has to do with cosmology. It has to do with cosmology. Another thing, another thing, we notice, and this is very important, we notice that there was a necessity of a conjunction of Mars and Taleh. It doesn't always have to be. What do I mean it doesn't always have to be? <laughs> there are two calendars, uh, three calendar systems. Let's take the Muslim one and the and the uh, and the uh, Hebrew one. Uh, this is going to all come out within the next two months of Baruch Hashem in the, in the star connection. The Muslim calendar is a pure lunar system. It's based on the Yareh, on the, on, the, on the moon. What does it mean? That every holiday that they have, let's say, in a particular month, like we have a holiday, let's say Pesach, the first Pesach, occurred during Aries, Taleh, and Madin. Now, since there are 365 days to the solar rotation, and there are only 360 days maximum, because there are less than 30 days to a lunar month, that means that the lunar year ends before the, lunar, the solar year. Is that, is that correct? At least by five days. Now, over a period of 100 years, you're talking about 500 days. That means Pesach will not always fall, if we're going according to the Muslim lunar calendar, that means each time the solar year ends, when, it, when is March 21st, will always be later, and this will seem to wander through the years, through the seasons. It'll never, though Pesach would never have come out always during spring. Because we would be losing five days each year. So that means Pesach would be in the summertime, then it would come out in the, in the fall, in the wintertime, and so forth and so on. Along comes the Torah, the cosmic code. This is the significance. If you don't know Kabbalah, you don't know the significance. And I don't want to tell you why we have to know the significance. Does anybody know the answer? Why do we have to know all this? Because that's the only way you're going to connect. Without it, you don't make the connection. 
Without it, you don't make the connection. Maybe we don't want to connect. Maybe it's just a mitzvah. That's also okay. But if we don't believe that the Torah just meant it for the sake of a mitzvah, and that's all that it means just for the religiosity, then it's also okay. But we, we don't believe that was the reason. Okay? The Torah says it has to be before the Shavim. Must be in the spring. Pesach must be in the spring. And there we learn the secret of solar lunar connection. And that's how our calendar began. We add an extra month to Adar because by by adding Adar seven times, the Adar Bet, the second Adar, seven times within a frame of 19 years, Pesach will never be more than 30 days away from March 21st and never more than 20, 30, uh, 30 days before March 21st. It will always come out within the framework of March 21st, which is the solar beginning of spring. Incredible. That's what they wanted. Who wanted that? The Torah. Gotta be Bechodesh Aviv. Why did it, why did it want Chodesh Aviv? He wanted the spring month. Why the spring month? Because that was the reason for the first mitzvah when the Jews were ready for the last plague, right? Makot Bechorot. The slaying of the firstborn. So significant for Pesach. What was necessary? Go out and sanctify the, the moon. <laughs> I mean, here they're busy going out of this terrible bondage. And along comes the Torah. And Hashem says, look, got a little mitzvah for you before you, you go in. You know, sanctify the new moon. They had nothing more to, to tell us, uh, you know, to be busy with, except now go outside and sanctify the new moon. What was the reason? But there again lies, according to the Adi, the secret of what really was going on. The tale describes nothing. It's, it's two cubes. Everybody can see whatever they want to see. And, there, and if there are 50 billion people that have observed that Torah, there are 50 different opinions. But the Torah doesn't let us move. It gives us, it's a code. A very stringent and rigid code. It has the rules that are without our absolute. Can't you can't get into two frames. You want to get into one frame, and everybody will get into that one frame. It puts down the conditions of how you can stay in one frame. There's a Chodesh Hazel Lachem. Chodesh Hazel Lachem. It's your month. Your month. Your month. Mine. What do you mean mine? Briefly stated that for the first time, a whole nation, not only Abraham, Yisrael, Yaakov, Adam, and uh, Noah, and all of these people who had the told it Adam, who had the secret book on how to control the cosmos. What do you mean control the cosmos? What do you mean control the cosmos? Meaning, like Eitan said, I press forward, fast forward, right? Fast reverse. I mean, I'm in control, right? You're in control of the cassette. Up until that moment, the only people who could control the cassettes was Avram Yisrael Yaakov. People? Simple people? 
self-control. It was robotic, and you just went along with your cassette. And there wasn't really any material changes. We look through the Torah, you start with Adam and Ishon. You have two events called the flood. Another event, a dramatic event, called the Migdal Babel, whatever that meant. And then we shift right into the story of Egypt and the bonding. I mean, look at all the ink that went in between, right? But nothing dramatic, nothing significant. The reason for that was because peoples as a whole had no opportunity to change things. So the first mitzvah wasn't a mitzvah. It was a mitzvah. But again, from the word sevet, it made connections. With the information that the Jew was supplied with, the information we're discussing now, that taleh must have a solar conjunction. Taleh is the is Aries. Nisan is a month. Nisan is a month. In other words, where the sun is in a particular position, Taleh, Aries, and the and Madim, the the planet Mars will always come in conjunction with Aviv, even if it meant we had to add extra months, not to keep it wandering through through the solar system, that holiday would have to be here. Why do we need that holiday there? Why? And that's the way you're going to control everything. Because Madim, as we said, is blood. What do you mean blood? Blood is din. Blood is din. Negativity. That's why it's red. You've learned all that. Why were the Jews in Mitzrayim in the first place? Yeah, he explains all this, for those of you who can read it. Why were they there in the first place? Obviously, there was a negativity that had to be cleansed. That's what we're learning in the Deluma Seminations. How do you cleanse? How do you purify the Ava that we learned today? Malchut is Ava. It's dense, thick. It's not as pure as the light. Does it it's the aspect of desire to receive for oneself alone. <laughs> the only time, as we learned this morning, the only time that you can control something is when the opportunity presents itself and you exercise restriction. That's the way you change cassettes. You must know about what you want to change. You must know that there are other cassettes. You must know what cassettes are available because if you can't read the labels, and or if there are no labels on the cassettes, what are you going to choose? You can have 50 different cassettes, but without labels, you don't know which one to choose. So you've got to know the labels. That's the cosmic code of the Torah, to know the labels. So now you're ready to choose. But we said the only time you can ever choose another cassette, you want to change your cassette, right? Is the opportunity. Now, when is the opportunity? When did the opportunity present itself of Malchut Ava when it was the the most negative of all seasons? When? Madim. When the planet Mars, which is the planet of war, that's what it's called, and it's true, planet of war. Planet of war. And before Makot Bechorot, I just want to inject that. It's called the first month. All astrologers, by the way, 
all astrology teachings say this is the first month. We begin from Aries. Ask one astrologer over the past 3,000 years, because they also say astrologers know where all this began. It began in Egypt. They forgot that, that Avram wrote a sefer before the Middle Kingdom on astrology. But we, you know, again, sure. And he established astrology long before. But even Nobody asks, why is this the first month? Aries, in all astrology teachings, Aries is the first month. Why is it the first month? Uh, I don't know. Say that life begins anew in spring. Ah, that's... It bursts forward. Yeah, so, winter is like death, so, in other words, the effect explains now the cause. Right. Not that maybe there is another reason that says, hey, why do we make a, a bracha, a blessing, on the, on the blossoming of, you know, <laughs> what came first? The cause came first. Is that the cause? Because there is blossoming of trees, everything burst forward, you know, even when a guy's in jail, you say, let's spring them. You ever hear that expression? <laughs> let's spring them. No? Yes. Right? You take them out of jail, spring them. Spring, you burst forth, you go out from bondage, so to speak. What came first? Is that why we call it spring? Because everything appears anew? Or is there a cause, a cosmic effect that says everything go out? Yes. The control of Madim. Only when you control Madim can you be sprung. Spring from someplace. That's right. And it doesn't spring. You know, you see, the reason the springing come forth, comes forth is because there is an inbuilt structure. You see, everything but man. He's the only one who can't automatically be sprung from his prison. He can go through his life in prison. Not by bars. And not a, not a bars make prisons, right? I hope everybody understands that. So the only way that you can be sprung or leave prison is first of all recognizing what's the first prison? What's the cause of prison? Madim had this power as a channel for this negativity. What is war? What is war? One wants to eat what the other one has. Simply stated. A, de a democracy usually doesn't begin. It's always the one with the more desire to receive that begins a war. Or both have tremendous desires to receive. Each one wants the other one. But what is the primary cause? Not the war. But the desire to receive. That's why Madim is a channel. Now, must it be this? Yes, of course it must be. This is the world of fragmentation. The illusion of fragmentation must exist, not what is there to do, what is there to be done. So the aspect of desire to receive in a negative way must exist. Mars is that channel. That's why they say Mars appears red, right? Right. The name of the God of War by the... Oh, 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 that's right. I'll come to that. Right. 
right? And that's why we even think there were Martians, and we were so terribly disappointed when there wasn't Martians on Mars. And we're afraid of Martians. Why Martians? Maybe there's somebody on the on other planets. No, because they're those people, yeah, you know, just closer to us. Always, always. Martians are coming to attack. What? But that's only science fiction. But tell me, which science fiction hasn't become a reality? Which science fiction hasn't become a reality? Alright? Because that's a, a planet that has a close affiliation with Earth. Earth is Malhut, and Mars also has this ne- negative aspect of desire to receive. Right. Also in Hebrew. Right. I, many, many aspects. <coughs> the ram also, and that's why uh, the ram appeared when he was going to slaughter Yitzchak, Avram, Anayil, which is the same family as the Taleh, appeared on two levels. And, and I don't want to get into you know, because the signs of the zodiac are an emanation of the planets. But these two are connected, according to the Sefi Yitzirah. These two are connected. These two are two manifestations of the same thing. Different levels, but two manifestations. Mars and Taleh. Two manifestations of the same thing. Basically and essentially, Din. Okay? The center. The center of this aspect of Din is Egypt. Egypt is ruled and was always ruled long before they chose the Taleh to be their god because we ask why did they choose Taleh, not the cow like in India? That's the kind of questions in Kabbalah we ask. Don't tell me the, the effect or the fact. The fact, the material evidence is never the cause. So what was the cause that produced the effect of that being their God? Because again, Taleh, the physical Taleh, like the sign of the zodiac Aries, was a manifestation, a channel, by which this negative energy could become manifest. That negative energy also manifested not only the Egyptians, who were the rulers and controllers of that, Channel of that ch- they own that station. Sure, sure. They thought they ruled Mars, but then the other say they said this ram was the god. So they also recognized the the existence of an, a metaphysical force. Right? I mean, were they that stupid to think this is a god? Didn't do anything. What do you mean it was a god? There's a God. You're talking about people who can build the pyramids. Would we believe that that a, that a uh, you know that kind of an animal is a God? I mean, but we're we're very sophisticated, intelligent, smart, brainy, but not the Egyptians. They could only build the Sphinx, you know, Sphinx and pyramids and, and every mummification, which has never been duplicated. See, they weren't that smart. 
they understood that physical manifestations reveal. Different things reveal different things. The Aries, the ram, revealed. And that's why it wasn't a god. But they were making use. They were tapping. And they knew how to tap. That ram. That's why it was called Ra. Called Ra, the god of, of Egypt. It's called Ra. A funny name of it, right? Sure, because Ra and desire to receive for oneself alone are synonymous. means the same thing. Huh? That's right. That's evil. But desire to receive for oneself alone. If you want to know the definition of evil and good, that's what it is. Desire to receive for oneself alone, or desire to receive for the sake of sharing. That's good and evil. It's that absolute, by the way. But then everybody can make it their own interpretation. Therefore, we have a Torah that teaches us the cosmic code. It teaches us where things, how things, you know, emanated, how they evolved. And if you know the root, you see, if you know the three-column system, then you know the Chazir. What's wrong with the Chazir? This is no restriction, right? He only has split hoofs, but he doesn't have the aspect of an inbuilt structure, infrastructure of restriction. And you know that? So, not because the Torah told you it's but if you want to learn what makes circuitry, three columns. And take a look at this. He's the channel, you see. The chazir, the pig, is the channel for a two-column system. Not for a three-column system. It's not so much the fact, don't eat the chazir. But understand, the chazir is only as the dogmats, the example, the illustration, so we can have a closer and a, maybe a deeper penetration into the 99 and 9 tenths percent. That's what the cosmic code of the Torah is all about. What's that? Yes. How does Mars affect, uh, uh, cause spring? What's the relationship to spring? Why do we need that, that solar? Why do we need that? Because there is a power called Av Yudbet. I, I didn't want, you know, I can't, I want to get into some of the, you know, uh, some of the actual um, uh, physical expressions, but aviv in Hebrew, and we must always resort to the Hebrew because ultimately all nations of the world are going to re- re- go back to the day before Bethel Babel, right? Oh, everybody. See, there were new Jews, non-Jews, and all that. They all spoke Hebrew. It was only after the Tower of Babel that the 70 languages came into existence. Everyone's going to go back to that. And that's the connection. Dalabit. So, you know, anyone listening to this tape will ultimately have to understand there is no no getting away from it. You've got to know Hebrew. Because that's, that's the way to make the real connection. So the word Aviv is again a cosmic concealed description of some thought energy intelligence called Aviv. Av Yudet. Now, how many months are there? There are 12. And I don't want to go with we also know why. And, you know, why, do, why does everything rotate the way it rotates? Not, um, we're not here to learn astronomy. We're here to learn the astrology of astronomy. The why of astronomy. Not to learn what is, but what caused the astronomical uh, events that occur to occur as they do occur. 
Anyway, this is the first month. That's what Aviv means. Avivet. It's the beginning. Spring is the beginning. Why is it called the beginning? Rosh Chodesh Hazeh. Chodesh Hazeh Lachem. Rosh Chodesh Hazeh. Chodesh Hazeh Lachem. It'll be the first one. Why? Because this was the first demonstration of a nation, not only Avram Yisrael, but a whole nation that for the first time understood the principle and effected the principle of the three-column system. Restriction. Before that, there was no such animal. Therefore, they put the blood on the on the door in the three, the two columns and the doorpost. Three columns that you that you know from the Kabbalah connection. Three columns. First time that changes took place in the cassette, and we said the only way you can change cassettes is that this is the month that you change the cassette. Rosh Hashanah has another meaning entirely. But, changing the lifestyle, you see, Rosh Hashanah determines whether they're giving you another chance. Whether the soul remains in that body, or that body is too difficult for the soul, and so they say, well, time to leave, you'll come back with another body. Maybe this time you'll come back as a guy, you see, if you come back as a guy, then your desire to receive will never be that strong. So, you know, you can't handle... All of it at one time. You can't be, you know, Israeli. So they tell you to come back as a guy first, again, and then that makes it a little easier because the guy doesn't have that desire to receive, you see? So it's a lot easier. So some of us, but that's determined on Rosh Hashanah. But the lifestyle, the lifestyle, your cassette that you choose, one time. Now, now, that's what Pesach is really about. Can you imagine everybody celebrating Pesach? Understood the concept that you, you'll straighten out your whole year this month. This is time to do it. Or you could straighten it out during the year, too. There are many other events that can change. But you know what happens? The, uh, the geneticist says, it's a lot easier for me to change things with the fetus in the womb than once the child is born. If I can only get the Kethi, you see, that's this is the common connection with why it had to be before the Makot Bechorot. They were learning how to perform surgery, you see, at the root. Then they could handle Makot Bechorot, that cosmic event. Or not, they couldn't handle it. The cosmic event of Makot Bechorot, that was the, 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 the elimination of the root of the desire to receive in that in that frame of reference. But before that, they couldn't handle it. How were they going to execute that? They did it. How did they do it? Oh, but the angel of death did it. Angel of death passed over. <laughs> That's the significance. We even call it Passover. Passover. Why do we call it Passover? That was a significant thing. I thought going out of Egypt was significant. And yet, the whole holiday doesn't even evolve around the family getting together on Pesach, because this is all Pesach is about for 99, maybe 95% of Jews today. This is the family reu- time of family reunion, as if we should never get together all year, but certainly on this day. This is what it's all about. And yet, Pesach is called Pesach. 
for this passing over. Why, you know, why don't you call it the uh, the, uh, the holiday of dark, you know, the darkness that prevailed over? I mean, there were many other things. Passover. It's not even called the holiday of the slaying of the firstborn. Not even called that. What is it called? The passing over. Why does it? Why we? Why is it called that name? Beside the Adi gives many other names, but what he says are merely the uh, the um, Pesach. The word Pesach, the Mount should speak a lot, and that's why we have the Agada <coughs> to do a lot of talking, which we'll get into the next session. But that's only the effect, you know, because the three column system established a new order. Luke says, where? Aviv. Av Yudbet. The father. You know, the fa- it is the father. You know, father of invention. It's the beginning. That's right, the 12 months. What's that? It's three also. Av, it's Aleph, and Bet is three. Which means three times it's Okay, nice. 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 That's why it's called father. It's the only way you're, you're at the beginning. You remember what we were studying in 10 Luminous Seminations? There's only one place we fit in that we do something innovative. Where is that? In the sea. And what is the action of this innovation? What restriction? Establishing the three-column system. We're so convinced we'll all walk out of thinking that's the only thing we're going to be doing from now. But if you do think that way, at least we'll think about it. If you don't even know about it, then Pesach, Pes, came. And pass this right over. Right over. That's the significance of the holiday. It passes us right over. Alright? So this this is the significance of, of, of what this is all about. Now, how the cosmos got together, I don't know if we'll have enough time to study all of it. No, 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 I'm talking about trying to, before I get into the details, there are two parts now. We're discussing now what? The hardware. See, we're discussing the hard disk. The software, the programming, that's the Haggadah and all the things involved with the Haggadah. You see, that's your software. And you have to also, a good programmer, you know, you can have the same hard disk, but not pull out everything from the hard disk, right? You need a good programmer. So, we have the Ari, and he he did a pretty good job for us. And we will establish also our hardware, but, our software. But, what's the good of software without the hardware? So, we have to begin first with the hardware, and that's what we're discussing today. The hardware. By knowing what the hardware is about. You know, first of all, what the software wants to do. But, I mean, I want a program about how to create a payroll, but uh, the hardware deals with um, how to create, a, a, you know, a spacecraft. <laughs> I mean, this is great, you know. You've got hardware, sophisticated, but your program is tuned in to how uh, to cook. Yeah, it's got to, you, you know, the software has to be, uh, reconcilable and commensurate and, uh, and have an affinity with this hardware. Right. So we're discussing the hardware. And we're establishing the hardware by knowing the hardware. This is what the Jew did at that time. 
So the reason why the Jewish calendar is solar lunar, so as to keep this, I don't like to use the word historic, but maybe some want that word, so we're using it. Historic event called freeing oneself, freeing oneself from bondage. How do you extricate yourself? How do you get out? How do you do that? How do you break those chains? This is the time. But it couldn't be done without the power of Avyudbet, without our being in control. I mean, you know, you can have, you see that the trees were created at, at the time of creation, the six days of creation, they were created that in this time, the force of Aviv, the force of freedom, the force of the Av Yud Bet, the three-column system, was an inbuilt infrastructure of everything that existed, except for one species, man. It was not an inbuilt. It was not part of the structure of the of the human being. When did he establish it? When? Now. Why did he establish it now? Because there is that cosmic effect of Aviv that springs things forth. Why do, 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 do does the budding take place now? That's, that power. That power to get you out of your the doldrums, to get you out of the old cassette is only now. You have an opportunity to get out. I mean, unless things are great, so you don't want to get out. But I guess everybody would like to see improvement to whatever extent. Let's get out. That power called Aviv is now. Is now. So that's why Taleh and Madim, those two evil forces, channels for the evil force, if it took, if we want to do Pesach any other month, never happened. Because we needed the power of Aviv. Now we want the spring so it, it, it could be nice. That's right. That, that was the time. That's right. It's a problem. Though. But then again, I, I have the answer. I, I was discussed that people come from the lower part of the globe, uh, lower part of the equator. I have found, talk about Jews. I have found those Jews to be kinder, not be as, you know, like Israeli, real Israelis, you know? How come? And so my only answer is that it simply would not have been fair to have the same situation that exists in the North. Now, what is the North? We know North is Din. The South is Chesed. Without getting into it. That's why these people, people from South America, a different breed. Different breed. Maybe we want to send all the Israelis to the southern part of that. That's right. In, in, in South America. Always below the equator. Always below the equator. Maybe we should have began that way. Might have been better off. Okay. Okay. In any event, 
in any event, what you said about those people living, you know, in the southern part of the hemisphere, it would have been unfair. So they have it. What we it's almost similar, like the plants. They get this automatic budding. They're a lot freer, and things are different. For Jews living in the southern part of the hemisphere, they don't go through the same traumas. By the way, only governments interfere with them, but in their day-to-day life, most Jews are very content. I mean, things are not as this the disruption that occurs in the northern part. That's only because it's chesed. Okay, I don't want to dwell on that. But in any event. That's closer to the impact. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, here, we're closer to the din. Closer to the impact. And the only time you get closest to the impact is when the opportunity is there. For blood. Right? Right. So, the reason that Aries and Mars... Had to had to come in conjunction because the Jews could never get out if it was a wandering, if it was a wandering kind of holiday calendar that we used. We would have Pesach sometimes in the summertime, sometimes in wintertime. We could never connect. We could never take the opportunity of Mars and Aries together with spring. We wouldn't have all of the tools necessary to create this freedom. Therefore, they created the extra month. Therefore, the Jews went out. Not we celebrate the holiday because the Jews went out. Who's interested? We're not interested that they left. And the truth of the matter is, I, I discussed that even in the... Look at yourself as if you just got out. Come on, how many of us could truthfully say ever in our lifetime? Did we perceive ourselves as being slaves? Unless someone can go back in regression to and say, oh, I feel I was there, you know. They're told, experience. How do you experience? You know, tell the rich man experience. Now you haven't got what to eat tomorrow. <laughs> he look, you know, tell it to him. Okay, I'm going to try my best. Right? But he smells the aroma in the kitchen. <laughs> How? It's impossible. That's not the purpose. We're not here to celebrate the freedom. What we are here to celebrate, if we can use that word, is we want to tap that cosmic event. Because today, maybe I'm not capable on my own of breaking the bonds that keep me in prison. Maybe I'm not. But if I can connect to that event, if I can connect and be part of that event, that's what the Haggadah means. Not that I, that I have to picture myself as a slave, because we're all slaves to some extent. But if you want to break, you want to get a new cassette inserted, so I want to connect to the event. That's what I need the software for, okay? But first, I must know what the hardware is about, which is what we discussed today. I want to know what the hardware is about. We kind of more or less know what the hardware is now. We know why the hardware exists. We know the components of the hardware. And we know also that the nation of Israel, as a nation, because if it was not a nation, it would only have been Avram Yisrael we couldn't do the same thing. We couldn't get out. But because 
the totality of Israel. Now, the totality of Israel does not mean they were Jews. What does that mean, they were Jews? Meaning the collection of the greatest desire to receive had to be matched against the greatest desire to receive of negativity, which the Egyptians tapped. And that's the way they controlled the world, says the Adi. How do they control the world? By the force of the desire to receive, meaning, without getting into uh, details, but desire to receive causes what? A, re a constriction of, or a, a break in the circular vessels where time, space, and motion is one, but rather creates linear time. In other words, what does desire to receive say? I see only me. What does that say? I don't see anything else. All I observe is what? This point. It's a point now. Meaning I know there's other people around, but I'm not concerned about the other people. There are other things going around. I'm not concerned about that. It's the paradox of the desire to receive. That creates, as we said, linear time, the cop. What creates... What creates, or oh, how do you break out from that, we said? Restriction, right? Restriction. What happens? You break out of the cob of linear time and space, and you move into the circular aspect where past, present, future, all is one. But how, do you, how do you connect with all is one? When I'm all is one. When is that? Not when I have a desire to receive for oneself alone, but when my thought consciousness is a desire to receive for the sake of sharing, that's the way you break out. That's the way you break out of that point, the one point where you're in and not connected with anything else. And everybody follow the thing. So therefore, the Egyptian, until that point, was in total control of the world because he could focus in on the desire to receive for oneself alone. The Jew was involved in that, and therefore it says, not if not for the beneficence of, of Hashem, therefore they were not deserving of Pesach, in fact. That's why you needed the Sfirah, the seven weeks afterwards. That was a cleansing period. The Jew was at, at his ugliest point. So what does it mean the Jew was at its ugliest point? Who's the Jew? Who is a Jew? Show me where the greatest desire to receive exists. And I can see this man has the epitome of a desire to receive. I don't care who his mother, father, anybody was. Because only Eliyahu will know who's really Jewish and who's not. But how can you really tell? If there's a tremendous desire to receive, that's called a Jew. It's not his mother is Jewish, right? His mother is Jewish, therefore he's Jewish. Yeah, but why if his mother is Jewish, is he Jewish? Why? Because mother means din, the aspect of blood, the will to receive. And if there is this linear, this line, then all it tells me is, oh, this is the guy with the greatest desire to receive. He's the one who can control the cosmos. See, the non-Jew cannot control the cosmos, not because he's lower. 
he's in the circle one one below the one below the outer circle, right? So while we say, wow, look at the Jew, really up there. But he's also at the bottom. He could be the worst. That's called the Jew, the worst and the best. The non-Jew is the one in between. That's right. That's what Jew means. If Egypt had a great desire to receive, what's the difference between the desire to receive of Egypt and of Israel? At, at that point, they were both controlled by the same, except that you ask me, what is the difference between a Jew and a non-Jew? You know, which is, in essence, your question. More specifically, what was the difference between the desire to receive right. of Egypt and the desire to receive of Israel? Right. They both had a great desire to receive. Right. They had such a great desire that they took all the Jews to, 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 to use sure. the vessel even. That's right. That's how much they wanted to receive. They needed them. <laughs> they needed them. And that's why he didn't want to leave them out. Because if you knew he left them out, it would be the end of the Middle Kingdom. Why? Where does this Jew come from? He comes from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And actually, you can ask, I think we, it's in the lecture. I mean, you know, okay, it says before that God wanted to give the Torah to the Jews. He went to all the other nations without going through the whole process. They all refused, and the Jews hurried. What happens if I accept? You get double portions. Well, the minute he heard double portions, I mean, that was for him, right? Even the joke, why there are two two uh, tablets, not one, you know, to give him that double portion. Okay. But, you know, still in all, why, 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 you know, why does it have to come? It's a little unfair, you know, what choice did they have? We, because we came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then it says we came through Shem, right? It says we came through the three sons, right? And then it says we came through Sheth, Seth, uh, the son of, what did this mean? Oh, so we have this good line, this good family line, right? No, that's not what it means. It means that family line contained the epitome of desire to receive, but, but, with the potential static energy, thought, intelligence of restriction. That's all. That's all. The Egyptians were the epitome of a desire to receive, and no other nation would ever be like that again. That's how they could mummify things. They could build pyramids. In material reality, there was nobody that could excel the Egyptian. He had complete control of the material reality. Complete control. Because he knew how to tap the essence of desire to receive for oneself alone which is the essence of the physical material reality. So the Jew, as long as he didn't exercise, you see, that central column, he had a tremendous affinity. That's why you understand that after they saw the Kriyat Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea, they saw the ten, they want to go back and eat the fish. of the. I mean, nothing else in their mind except how good the fish was. But they weren't talking about that. They realized, boy, that physical material reality wasn't so bad. Uh, don't we say the same thing sometimes? What would hurt if I had a little extra million dollars? I mean, what would be so bad? Be so bad? Yeah. Because they always tasted 
that aspect of the desire to receive, the epitome, sometimes forgetting about restriction, you see. They didn't... They put the blood on the three walls. Boy, what an act of restriction that was. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? What an act of restriction. It wasn't. It wasn't. But because they did that little action that was enough to have the angel of death pass over, you see. What do you mean pass over? In other words, they connected with Shet, uh, Shem, Avram, Yisrael, Yaakov, the three column system. They connected, you see. Oh, they weren't there. Like us. Why are we going into Passover? Feel bond. I mean, we may not be deserving of it, but what we really want to connect with is, hey, Lord, do you remember uh, on that night those disgusting Jews and you told them they would just put up that little software that connect with everything. You remember that? Oh, sure, after that they had to go through the Sfirah. That was the spiritual growth period. Because they weren't deserving. That's why we only say half Halel. Because the day after Pesach, back to the Dark Ages again. That's why they could think of fish. Because what did they do in the way of restriction in the establishment of the three columns? Nothing! But do you remember what they did? He asked them just to put the blood on the three doorposts, and you said that would be enough. As long as you begin to be conscious of such a thought intelligence in the universe, it wasn't easy, but, you know, they did it. They did it. And what did you do, Lord? You then said, Luke said, that angel of death should Kill everybody. <coughs> I got into a new cassette. You see that angel of death? He was supposed to kill everyone. All the firstborn. Make no differentiation. But where was he? He was on in that level of the cassette that was manifest at that time. But us, he passed over, you see. Why did he pass us over? Because we... You, you permitted us free. It was Lechem Bezayon. It was free, you know, a free universe. Only happened once, by the way. Only once. And so if you're smart enough, on Pesach night, with your software, you can get a free universe. Only that one night. The rest of the year, you're going to struggle like a workhorse. But that night, if you're smart enough, if you're smart enough, you can connect with the free universe just by doing a little software business. Hocus pocus. Like they did. Put the wall on, the blood on the three door, on the three, uh, two door part and, uh, and the upper part. And they connected. And they put them into another frame of reference. A new cassette. This is what the overview of Pesach is all about. Nothing more and nothing less than that. So everything... What? That, that's why we still have to do what we do at the center table. That's why we do it. But why are you doing it? Because by doing that, insignificant, 
you know, is it doesn't even require anything of me. Except, they did add, don't eat chametz, <laughs> you know, a couple of other restrictions they did place on me. On me, they did place a couple of restrictions. Is because, restriction? what's that? I think it's the That's right. Something more than what the Jew did there. You see, it wouldn't have been fair to tell the Israeli in Egypt because his head was totally into the physical reality. It's incredible. And it said they reached the 49th gate of physical reality. The, the attachment to physical reality. 49th. Had they reached the 50th where the Egyptians were, we would never have gotten out. Never. We'd be getting, we're not talking about leaving Egypt. It was great there. They were having a grand time. Don't make no mistake about it. They were having a grand time. They didn't want to leave. In fact, I don't even know why they left. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I think, <laughs> what was so bad? You know, I, I speak to a couple of uh, Russians, Jews in Israel. They say, don't make no mistake. Just throw away the aspect that you want to be Jewish. Well, you, things are very good. I know one guy, he had two homes. Summer home? Since Jews live there like you can't believe. Come to Israel. This is hell. I mean, so, you know, we, see, we get confused. We get confused. Things are very good in Russia for the Jew who wants to acclimate and, and be just like the rest. No problem. Because how come all of these, Anatoly Sharansky and all of these physicists, I mean, how did they become physicists in the first place? Right? Mathematicians and everything else. I mean, things are so bad you can't go to college. Right? How did they get there in the first place? I'm telling you, he says, most Jews have everything they want. Money galore. Smuggling. Everything you want. It's rampant there. The best no, not they alone. Everybody who... There is a, uh, there is a uh, very, you know, there's, there's no question. No question about it. This was what went on in Egypt. Let's not paint the picture, because then we are distorting our hard disk. It was great. Why do they say they were slaves? I mean, not slaves. Suffering they, they, from no, 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 slaves, spiritual sense. Right, but spiritual they the sense. Why did they have to schlep, you know, drag those big ah, stones? That also, it tells us, that was the cleansing part. Before they could get out, they had to go through that. Had to go through the mud. It's like the Ari says. You ask that question. Ask that question, the Ari, and he says, it's like the diamond. You know how it comes out? Black. And through fire, it... They were then in a position, because of that suffering cleansing period, it permitted them, just with that little action of the blood, to produce this that they, in effect, didn't even want. In effect, didn't even want. And I'm not sure in my own mind yet, I'm not sure in my own mind why they went along with them. I don't know. The only thing is he could have promised them the rainbow at the end. The only thing. I mean, why did they want to go out? At the end, things were great. 
things are absolutely great, to the extent that the Jew himself tells you, after the miracles, and after all the suffering they went through, they want to go back and eat the fish. <clears throat> Not the riches, because they had all the riches. But Moshe was offering 100%. Of what? Of the whole. He was offering the the, 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 all the chokmah. He was offering everything. But you, uh, that's, that's the answer, okay. That's the answer. It's not, it's not that simple yet because no, uh, look how fast they fell back to the physical reality, right? If, I mean, if I promise you $50 billion, then you can say, but listen, are you going to throw in the tape recorder? <laughs> Doesn't sound too logical, right? But it is. When you buy a house, it's like that. Yeah. That's, that's the nature of a Jew, Bob. <laughs> you know, he's going to spend, let's say, two and a half million dollars for the house. Well, listen, what happens with the uh, wash machine? Does it stay with the house? A Jew will say that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, look, how ridiculous does it get? <laughs> but that's true. See, that's true. That's the Jew. That's called the Jew. The big house is not the difference. He could be at the bottom and at the top at the same time. Nobody... But you see, you need that kind of frame of reference or not how do you take past and future at the same time. Don't you see? You've got to take the circle. How does the circle appear? Bottom and top. The most <laughs> bottomless pit. And the top. Ain't soft. He's all, it's all included in who? That's the Jew. That's his beauty. That's his beauty. And that's his ugliness. He could be both at the same time, the optical illusion of seeing both sides at the same time. That is called Jew. That is called Jew. That's why a Rabbi Akiva would have to go through what he did through Gerim to come. The Jew had to go through that cleansing. It's, I mean, if you want to read the Ari, I don't. I mean, we could spend you know over the next uh, twenty-four years if we want to understand everything the Ari says on Pesach. You'll see how he how he structures why they went through the the you know the pyramids of slavery and all that, but in brief, it was for a cleansing period. So what we want now on Pesach with the software that we'll discuss next time is how can we attach to that free universe that occurred at that moment just by doing that? But it could only be the Jew because potentially it was static that aspect of restriction, but it was there. It was never flamed. Therefore, it says if they reached the 50th gate, restriction could never again take place. That was established. Restriction could never push away 50 gates. Yeah, that intensity, there could be no desire who wants it. It would have been too strong. If they had reached the 50th gate of the desire to receive for oneself alone, they could never, never come to a realization that maybe I've got to push it away. So it's the, it's the Kevin de Igulim saying, pushing, saying, almost like saying, I have to save you, because otherwise it'll never be revealed. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. They were pushed into it. They were pushed into it. Because he, that's, that's free universe, you see? The cause did not reconcile itself with the effect. He was free. 
He pushed us out. Why did, wait a second, didn't you say at the original Big Bang? Look, you don't interfere with me. When I call you, you come. Here he came without their calling. Remember this important point. I'm not, you didn't capture Pesach. You don't capture it. You don't remember this point. That's why it's a free lunch. It is a free lunch. Imagine, you got a free universe right there, the free lunch. That's what Pesach is all about. That's why people eat so much. <laughs>
thought, energy, intelligence of a negative quality or positive quality, these are the kind of things that will create the activity that we observe in the universe. While we may not connect that activity in the cosmos to man's activity, but as I said, from a Kabbalistic point of view, that's the way we perceive the cosmos and all that which is around us. So, this universe does not employ the principle of uncertainty, nor does it employ the free universe concept, meaning, in effect, that if everything is so uncertain, then who says this fellow, A, murdered B? Or, for that matter, even if we were certain, who says that there wasn't an unseen force not recognized by us that may have coerced, forced this individual into this negative human activity? What a dangerous principle. But in any event, because of the aspect of bread of shame, we are compelled to understand that there can never be a free universe. However, as I mentioned before, because the Creator noticed, balanced, computerized, the human activities of the Jew at that time, he realized that the end was in sight. And so for that moment in time, he injected the principle of free universe, meaning that of shame need not be removed by the principle of restriction. And so, through his rahamim, through his mercy, the night of Passover is for those who know how to tap this kind of hardware, can benefit from the aspect of free universe and essentially draw upon that energy, that energy that almost equaled, that almost equaled the circuitry of the Ain Sof. What a power! But it was necessary because if we want to control the events of the future, then we have to be certain that we're going to include and insert within our cosmic recorder the proper set. We can do that. As I pointed out time and time again, this universe is predetermined. Everything has already been forecast for all of us. If that be the case, then we have a contradiction of free will, which seems to be the result of quantum. And then we have on the other side, the Kabbalistic point of view, that no, everything is predetermined. The Newtonian classic physics idea. 
Well, this is a blatant contradiction. But from a Kabbalistic point of view, we can reconcile the two. Because we have absolutely no free choice in the way developments evolve, events evolve, once that cassette has been inserted into the cosmic recorder. However, this great ensemble, the infinite number of cassettes that one can choose from, is where free will can be established. That's the only place, in fact, where we have a choice, the choice of choosing a preordained cassette or inserting a new one, changing our astrological charts for at least the coming year. This is what we mean that we are in control this month. We are in absolute control if we know how to tap that free aspect of the universe, Passover. And certainly we wouldn't want to take this opportunity in having this dynamic interplay of circuitry without the necessity of restriction pass over us. I guess that's why we have the name Passover. For some it passes over, meaning the cassette that has existed for us from the moment, the moment of birth has not dramatically changed for most people in the universe. However, that does not mean that we cannot change the course of events in our life. Most of these courses of events, the cassette of our cosmic recorder, has already been determined by a prior lifetime incarnation. So, for the most part, we really don't have much to say in the matter. However, comes the night of Passover. This is where we can make that change. In spite of the fact that maybe we're not qualified, maybe we're not up to changing the cassette by virtue of the human activity of restriction. We just can't seem to restrict. I've got a desire to receive, and that's all I've got in mind, is how I can gobble up as much as possible. The aspect of restriction seems to elude me. However, this night of Passover, we are in a position, if we know how to properly tap this awesome and profound thought, energy, intelligence, that almost equals the energy of insult, by doing, by tapping this kind of energy, it is so powerful that we can therefore, or the Zohar can therefore, make a prediction that the coming year for this individual will be one, firstly, of changing his space, moving into a, a parallel universe, but a far different universe, and that this cassette hopefully contains an entire erasure 
of the price that we have been brought back to pay for due to negative human activity on our part in a prior incarnation. So here you have it. Passover. The opportunity. Let's not miss it. But we must also remember that we need the software. By thinking, by knowing, we've established to this point the hardware, the disk, the hard disk, that is now available. That's also an effort that we must make on Passover. Now the software, our connection to the hardware was developed, refined, and established by the people who created what is called the Haggadah. Haggadah literally means talking. It talks. Why the necessity of talking? But for what has been explained at this point, I've been doing an awful lot of talking at this point. The reason for this talking, because it is to enlighten all of the people in our midst who may not be fully aware of the consequence and the purpose of this particular evening. And so, a Haggadah was created by which the software can be fully explained. Again, creating metaphysical software will seem very odd to most of you listening to this recording. Nevertheless, thought intelligence by most scientists seems to be about the only thing that is really energy. By thinking, by knowing, is going to be the way we're, we're going to establish the software. So we've got to talk about it. And the more we talk about it, the more deeply we get into the thought, energy, intelligence of the Haggadah and all that is included within the software called the Haggadah will only intensify the effectiveness of this software. Or shall I put it another way, we broaden that software to the extent of our knowledge, of our understanding, how to create this software because it's going to be the software that is vital in making the connection. It is the software that will permit us to tap this enormous energy that evolved on this particular night. In fact, only because the Jew at that time 
engage in what might seem a, a very insignificant activity, the splashing of the blood on the three parts of the doorpost, that, at that night, was sufficient. And because that was sufficient, their software, their software, was established by which to make the connection to the extent that it was this action that was necessary as we pointed out, the sanctification of the new moon, this control, this recognition of control, was the thought intelligence that was required so as to actually trigger and initiate the slaying of the firstborn. Without that recognition, no power on earth, that means, no power that has been placed within the confines of our universe in a very limited way could have created the exodus. What was necessary was the manifestation of the light of the angels. And in so doing, that bond, that prison that was created by the master magicians of Egypt could be broken. The firstborn is only symbolic, as I explained in the Kabbalah connection. And therefore, I don't want to delve into it. But this significance of breaking that bond of our feet spring, bursting forth, permitting our feet to become manifested on a physical level, is what this whole idea of Passover is all about. And because there is no disappearance in spirituality, in other words, metaphysical events, once they have occurred, remain in a steady state, potential at times, but nevertheless in a steady state. And by our arousal, by our connection, when we establish the software, we have in fact planted the seed. The steady state of the hardware is like the seed before we plant it in earth. It is static, in spite of the fact that it's in a steady state but it's only in a potential state. So is the objective on the night of Passover 
to tap that energy that will never again disappear because it was once established. And it's like you're, it's like a timetable, and as we said before, the Bible is our cosmic code, which also includes a timetable. When is that steady state potential energy awesome energy, if we might say, making its appearance that those who know can make their proper connection. The timetable is the 15th day of the Hebrew month of Nisan. That's when we can take advantage because the program appears. However, by failing to turn on that television receiver, that program for for us or for those who have failed to recognize the steady state potential of what happened a long time ago, that program is going to pass over them. So, in conclusion, we realize that there is no such thing as tradition or the family reunion, which is not something I wish to negate. I think it's wonderful. However, we must not lose sight of this very significant event that once took place and that takes place each year for us to take advantage of. Well, you might ask, what happens if I got this tape too late? Well, you can always make certain that next year, Passover will not pass over you on another frequency, on another level. However, I would strongly urge the listener of this tape to make every effort to at least connect with those people and, if possible, even join with them in making this connection in spite of the fact that maybe they feel they might be missing out a couple of the meditative principles that are required even for the hardware disk. And what happens if I never got around to getting tape number two? which we'll be dealing with the software. Well, that's always the, leads me back to the old saying, when the individual is ready, the master will appear. <laughs>